Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quay. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Do you have the finger puppets you've been wanting yet? No. Oh, seems like our preview videos haven't reached max Q just no, yet. No, they, they haven't. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrease, Quaid, the finger puppeteer, along with you this morning. Mm-hmm. We'll be joined by Aaron Baker of Axiom Strategies. A couple of interesting things going on in Missouri. New polling has been a little bit controversial there. Whether or not Coster's lead is expanding or whether the polls the Greitens camp is touting are really uh, reflective of a race that's getting tighter. We'll also figure out what you need to know. There is a bonus debate for Missourians after the Monday night presidential debate. You've got the uh, blunt candor debate coming up tomorrow night. Hmm. So we'll talk with Aaron Baker about that as well this morning here on the morning meeting. Uh, Ridiculous spending the accusations of a death spiral and the first override of an Obama veto all going on uh, yesterday. And just as we cut the promo for today, Quaid, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned that there was something going on that was left undone and was getting cover at the federal level because of uh, the big-time debate that was on on Monday night because of all the other distractions that had been going on. They heard the promo. They didn't want to be the target of my sustained wrath this morning. And so last night, just hours before midnight, Congress finally, finally did a portion, a small portion of their job, which is uh, to approve a spending bill to keep things running. Now, because we don't have budgets anymore. Right, you, you can't lay out a whole one-year plan for a budget because then your political enemies will be able to poke holes in the things that you want to do. Mm. So we just have these, these spending bills that go almost month to month. We've regressed in this nation from being a nation that had, had an, an, an aspirational ideology. We wanted to buy the big house, right? Now we're the nation that has to call the landlord every month and go, how late can I be with the rent before there's a penalty? This is the new norm. How late can I? Can I? I, I know it's due on the first, but you give me some grace period to the fifth because you're a nice person. And then after that, it says at your discretion, you can charge me $20 a day every day. It's late. Will you really start that on the sixth or can I get a couple more days? What if I bring it over in cash, even though I don't have any cash? <laughs> Um, what if I give it to you on the fourth, but post date the check to the 10th? Does that count? That's where we're at as a country right now. We're trying to cut every corner instead of doing the job that we're supposed to be doing. So last night, Congress, uh, sends the president a bill to keep the government operating through December 9th. And everybody's waving the flag around because they decided to spend 1.1 billion of your tax dollars 
in an attempt to battle Zika virus. Uh, does that make you feel good this morning? You woke up with a little less money that's going to go to defending the country, uh, enforcing law and order, repairing roads, you know, things the government's actually supposed to do. Uh, but it's going to help battle Zika virus. Interesting that it's through December 9th. Mm-hmm. A, a, it's, it's after the election, and then it gives the lame duck crew a chance to another vote crack at it. Yeah. 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 There was no, it wasn't just lucky happenstance that that agreement ended after the election before the lame ducks got out of office because they got a chance to throw some more pork in there. Before they head out once more. One one more chance to go back and say, how much can you give me to get stuff in? Yeah. But actually, yep. this this very minor achievement, uh, this bar so low that uh, it's not even high enough to be considered a, a right-sized curb on the side of a street, uh, actually lets them, and by them I mean everyone involved in Congress, do what they actually wanted to be doing in the first place. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying that the job they were sent there to do isn't necessarily what they wanted to do. They wanted to do this instead? Yes. This, the passing of a spending bill, only enables them to do the job they wanted to do in the first place, which was go home and campaign for re-election. Because this was the last Ah, thing they had to do before calling the session good and uh, scurrying back to their districts, hoping to con the voters who had elected them the first time into re-electing them after, well, and, and if you needed anything to be upset about or, or to question them on, it's exactly this. Where's the budget? Where's the annual budget? Why spending bills? Where's the budget? Show it. Lay it out the big picture. We are budget and, challenged. And when you've got a, a House Ways and Means Committee that uh, controls those purse strings and you have an overwhelming uh, Republican majority in the House. Now, it's not as big as, for instance, the Republican majority in the state of Missouri, which mm. we'll be talking about on the back half of the show sure. today. Uh, but you have that. Why the fear? That's that's the, the question that I would drive at. Not dollars and cents uh, per se, but why the fear of trying to lay out an entire budget for, for a year? Yes, you do have... The, the grinding difference between the legislative branch and the executive branch. But guess what? Quaid's going to grab his pocket constitution if he needs to and remind us that's the way that the founding fathers laid it out. Yeah. Government's not supposed to operate smoothly and efficiently. There's supposed to be disagreement. Do your job in the legislative branch. Lay out your plan. Let the president negotiate with you over that stick to the stick to the fundamental principles get the big things and give the country and and this is one of the reasons that the economy has been in the tank everybody wants to blame the president and and I think he deserves the lion's share of it but part of it comes back to a republican congress that hasn't been bold with laying out a long-term plan as far as a budget to give businesses what they want, which isn't, of course, they want low taxes and they want uh, a minimal bureaucracy and red tape. Absolutely. But the other thing that they crave, and I've heard this from business owner after business owner, no matter what the industry is they're in, they crave 
a stable environment. Mm-hmm. And that's it. They don't want the game to change every 90 days. They can't do long-term planning. They can't hire people based on that. They can't invest. They want a long-term environment. Five years, minimum, preferably 10 to 20, where they know what the situation's going to be. And I put a lot of that blame on this Republican Congress who has not laid out and fought for and been able to pass a full budget, as is called for, in this situation. And they continue to get cover on these things. And now hardly anybody's going to talk about this today because, well, they just kept the government open long enough to go home and campaign. Uh, and this is, and, and the, the, the people coming home to campaign need to understand that voters who are aware aren't going to be happy with the curb high bar that just got achieved. Mm-hmm. Why is there a Republican majority in the House of the Senate? Uh, people, the voters decided that uh, they wanted things uh, to uh, run in a particular way, and they don't feel like that's being achieved. We've gone over this time and time and time and time again. This is partially the reason that we have a guy like Donald Trump as a nominee. The dissatisfaction mm-hmm. level with not just elected officials, but I'm going to say specifically Republican elected officials, on following through on what they said they were going to D.C. to do has been so high that now we're in a situation where you have a Donald Trump who's running for president and you have legislators doing exactly what the people are upset at them about in the first place. If you're going home to campaign on this, I hope you have something else mm-hmm. <laughs> to share with people. If because, you go home and pat yourself on the back over this, mm, right? And, and this is this. Don't is, be surprised if that's the lone hand. <laughs> and you could you could throw a shoulder out of whack. But if you're in Congress, don't worry about it. Uh, you've got the best health care, and you're not paying for it, so they can <laughs> fix that that frozen shoulder you end up with from throwing it over the top. This is this is, and you're right, Quade. That's the point I wanted to get to. Is these actions. Some of them by Republicans and some of them by conservatives, though not necessarily the same, are what has opened the door for a Trumpian run at the presidency. And by that, I don't mean Donald himself, but somebody from outside the political sphere, somebody touting that no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you have culpability, responsibility, and have been doing it wrong during the economic decline that we have seen and to open it up for a new way of thinking. So it's, it's those things that add up and create opportunity for somebody in the mold of, if not Trump specifically himself. Mm-hmm. And and that is something that those who are in elected office right now need to pay attention to, because if it can happen on a presidential level, don't think that it couldn't happen uh, in your district level. Also, Congress did override the first veto that President Obama, uh, a, a veto for the first time. The president has vetoed plenty of things, but Congress for the first time has overridden an Obama veto. This is on the 9-11 bill that yep. would allow uh, a family and, and those representing the estates of those killed in the 9-11 terrorist attack to uh, sue. Well, we talked about this last mm-hmm. week before I left, and both of us were kind of like, does this open the door up? for other countries to turn around and get litigious with us. Mm-hmm. Where is this going to be tried? You talked with Darren about this 
on Friday. What was it that Darren said? Uh, I'll just kind of sum up. If you want, if you missed any of this, go back and grab the podcast. Uh, Darren LaHood, our representative here uh, from our district, said that he was he was for it. He voted for it. And he voted for the veto override uh, because he thinks it is a a, a necessary path to allow uh, those representing the, the estates to follow. Uh, also, he was not concerned uh, about this opening the door for a boomerang effect. Uh, his point was that uh, countries are sued all the time and that this is just a matter of, of course, a matter of business, and uh, that he didn't he didn't think that it uh, endangered the U.S. in any way. Okay. It, in fact, was an opportunity. Uh, this is something that I was I was shocked uh, to hear the president uh, say uh, what I said uh, in, in the Fox News clip leading into the show today. And that was the, the he expressed, and, and this may be the, the actual motivation or it may be the one that, that he thinks is most palatable, but he said the reason he vetoed it is because he was worried about a boomerang effect mm-hmm. that all of the nation building and uh, some would say busybodying that America does overseas, uh, if it goes the wrong way, that we're opening ourselves by our own laws to be sued in return. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's, that's some of what kind of worried me about it, and I expressed that. Uh, when we had Darren LaHood on the show on Friday. So if you want to get his full thoughts on it, we spend about five minutes talking about this. Uh, grab the podcast. It's up at WTAD.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, a death spiral in the morning, anyone? <laughs> well, it's not really what I wake up looking for. Well, now that you've had your antioxidant infusion there, which would, would you go peach mango today? Yes, it is. It is a Panama peach. All right. I, I cannot read that small type from over here, but I know you well enough. To know that it's not uh, Dragon Fruit Thursday. No, it's not. Uh, the Health Republic Insurance of New Jersey just announced that it's $46 million in debt and thereby shutting down, becoming the 17th, 17th failed Obamacare cooperative just since Affordable Care was launched three years ago. That mm. means just six. Of the original 24 co-ops remain. I'm not a math scientist. I think producer Josh is going to give me a pass on this. That sounds a whole lot like uh, 25% to me are left. You've got six. Six out of 24 would be exactly 25%. Six out of 23, a fractionally more. But mm. functionally, you've got one out of four of the 23 original co-ops still standing. We're three years in. Now you've got you've got a system that is trying a, a Democrat liberal system that wants to see what was heralded as the president's landmark domestic mm. achievement. You they want to see this stand until at least the president leaves office. And you've mentioned before you think this is the bridge to single payer, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But they don't want the sitting president embarrassed by having this collapse while he's still in office. You, you know what this reminds me of? What this reminds me of. Um, a once wildly popular men's magazine that has been on its last legs trying to keep afloat until the founding father is no longer with us. This is Playboy, You're talking about Playboy yeah. trying to stay relevant until Hef dies. Okay. This, this, is, this is Obamacare. Interesting. I don't trying. know that anybody's ever called the <laughs> Affordable Care Act Playboy. <laughs> well, hey, they, in, 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 in order to oh, you just caught. equated President Obama with Hef. Hey, one's much cooler than the other. <laughs> In a way, they are similar because in order to get in front of the American people, they had to cover up most of what was in it. Now, so that's that's since the relaunch of the uh, legendary men's magazine. But 
this is to me this this is the same thing. This is something that is not working out. Seventy five percent of the co-ops have not just closed or consolidated, but have gone under due to insolvency in three years. Yeah. Well, this. The, the... Ladies and gentlemen, take a look at what government does. Yeah. Because um, the private sector was doing such a crappy job of it, right? We'll come in and show them how to do it. And please know, though, that this was designed to, to crumble. It was just supposed to crumble into something bigger. And I don't think it was designed to crumble this quickly. No, um, no. There, there are no those way who would tell want to you that, embarrass the sitting president. Right. Like this. There are those who tell you that this has been a wildly successful program in an, in that it's it's succeeding quicker than they thought it would. And by success, it means you, failure. You have to read between the lines. Yes. Their success is its failure, so that they can then say we need even bigger government mm-hmm. in order because we didn't have enough now, government for this one, which is obvious because it's failed. But there's also, there, and I've only come around to this in the last, oh, four or six months. I think that the liberal statism, and, and by statism, I mean the, the line of thinking that elevates the state to the level of uh, beneficent deity, is that that line of thinking is, you know what? It doesn't matter what form it takes. It doesn't matter how many of these closed. We achieved the goal of annexing one-sixth of the economy Mm -hmm. and taking it away from that evil private sector. So it doesn't matter how badly it goes. They want to claim victory because they wrestled this, quote, away from the private sector, which was goal number one. Now goal number two is to run it in some fashion that benefits government. Mm, Well, it it kind of, in a way, is doing that right now. Uh, The sell is going to be, I know that government got involved and put together this, this brittle thing that failed, but we can do a better job this time. That's the tough sell from people who have been on the wrong side of this, mm-hmm. meaning the people who have either had, and they've even changed the rules as it's gone along to try and keep it from from collapsing as quickly as it was going to, uh, to, again, like you said, prolong uh, the, the quote-unquote death spiral uh, of this program. Um the, the tough sell is going to be to the people who've been on the wrong side of this, experiencing the increased premiums literally like every six months, every year, or increased fines, which are part of the plan. Um, how are they then going to turn around and say, we have a better plan now that will work? Yes, you've got a bad taste in your mouth, but we've got something that's going to wash that away yeah, it's still the same thing, but more of it will taste better. More bad taste in your mouth, and you won't even notice it anymore. You'll become taste blind to our crap. <laughs> <laughs> you want to break this down as to how it's going to apply to the two candidates that you're going to vote for at the top of the ticket, uh, most likely vote for at the top of the ticket come November. Uh, Hillary is on record as uh, favoring a government public option that would directly compete with what she calls for-profit, i.e. 
private sector insurance companies. Uh, the presidential nominee uh, from the Republican side, Donald Trump, has opposed that public option. Trump has been very public uh, during the primary, especially. They didn't get into much of this on Monday night, wanting to totally scrap Obamacare and uh, make the private insurance marketplace more competitive by erasing those, quote, state lines and allowing you to just buy the thing that works the best for you. Hmm. Capitalism, private sector market. That sounds a lot more like the America that I know Mm. than the socialist vision that's being espoused on the other side of the aisle. All right, coming up this morning on The Morning Meeting, Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies in a bit. But next, what you may not be able to do in Illinois on that second Tuesday in November. That next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. We missed up moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Hey now, hey now. That was my ship the whole time. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, alongside you. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, coming up in just about seven minutes. If there's uh, one thing you plan on doing on uh, Election Day in Illinois, and that's going to the polls and voting, you're good for that. But if you plan on doing two things, going to the polls, registering to vote, and then voting... Uh, you might want to plan ahead a little bit. Uh, National Voter Registration Day, a U.S. District Court here in Illinois granted a motion to block block the state's same-day voter registration program. How's that for irony? On National Voter Registration Day, the U.S. District Court in Illinois granted the motion to block the state's same-day voter registration program. This is where you could bus unregistered, the, some would say out of state, those who aren't qualified, how creative do you want to be? Right. How creative do you want to be? You just bust them to a polling site, mass sign them up, and then tell them all how to vote. And this is to call this good ground game. Yeah. <laughs> Got a great ground game. Uh, this is this is something that has been um, angering Republicans for for quite some time. It was signed by it was Governor Quinn. Uh, more than a hundred thousand voters registered on election day last March, and voted the same day. Now, this is mostly the case in Chicago, as far as the state of Illinois itself goes. The vast majority of those registrants on same-day voters Mm -hmm. uh, were done in Cook County. So we'll see where this goes. Uh, The U.S. District Court judge who uh, granted the motion had an interesting take on it. He said the application of this legislation favors the urban citizen and dilutes the vote of the rural citizen. The Supreme Court has made it clear that legislation cannot, quote, restrict the political participation of some in order to enhance the relative influence of others, mm-hmm. well, end the, quote. The, well, the thing was is that you could do this in Cook County and mm-hmm. what, like the, 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 the collar counties, yep. I, I think, but, but downstate, you, you couldn't go to the polling place and get registered and vote 
all within one trip that same day, that 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 voting day, you had to go to the the courthouse and then go to the polling place, or you mm-hmm. had to go ahead of time. So the the thing was, there were two different rules, and that's why you had this this suit. Anyone tied to any liberal cause, any Democratic cause, fundraiser, legislation, anything, of course, took the chicken little. The sky is falling. Democracy is over. This is oppression Wait of minorities. They didn't want it to be fair. Well, they they want their they want their views and and their policies enacted. Fair, fair doesn't have anything to do with it. Fair. The only time they use the word fair is when they're trolling for votes, trying to tell people that they can force life to be fair. They don't want to play fair. Mm. Fair. So, so downstate voters cynical. don't don't get don't get the same access that Cook County voters get mm-hmm. because Cook County. This is here's my take on this. Voting in a democratic republic in which we have is the one sort of sacred duty that you have in order to be part of society. If it is a 15-minute inconvenience for you to take out of your day to go down to the courthouse and get registered to vote and file the appropriate identification paperwork ahead of time so that you can vote, You should be thanking everyone at the courthouse that you live in a country in which it's a democratic republic and you get to elect your representatives. You get to elect your senators. You get to elect your president. This this talk that it's it's an inconvenience and it's hard on poor people. You know what's hard on poor people living in Indy on a dollar a month? That's hard on poor people. We have it pretty easy here in this country. We have it relative to the rest of the world pretty well as easy as it gets in this country. And taking time out of your day and spending an extra $2 on bus fare to get to the courthouse and using an hour of PTO, you should be thanking everyone along the way that you live in a country in which you're not only allowed but encouraged and given the power to vote on your representation at every level. From city councilman all the way up to president. So this idea that this is too much of a burden has always struck me as absolute crap that people are using to take advantage of situations and legislation uh, to to twist things. And it's not, to me, it's another bit of catering to people telling them life is too hard for you. Well, we can't expect that much of you. To, to follow, and, and everybody talks about slippery slope, but, but follow the thought process through. If, if uh, under the name of user-friendliness, we say you should be able to show up, get registered, vote all in the same day, I know that that could be manipulated and abused, mm-hmm. but we do this for user, user-friendliness. The next step would be you don't even have to go to the polls. We'll make it so that you can vote on your smartphone. Better oh, yet, that's coming. Better yet, don't even worry about voting. Yeah. We see how we've you used your metadata. Yes, and we've, we've seen project, your meta, metadata, and we yeah. know based on the websites you go to what you lean that will count as your vote. Yes, and, and the the cut that you prefer for your jeans when you buy them tells me that you're a conservative. So I will just vote. Republican for you or the fact that you visited uh, X place that sold only fair trade coffee tells me you're a liberal. So I'm just going to vote. Liberal. We will. We will Doesn't mark have anything you to do with how delicious the coffee was. Right. Of you will be marked down as so yes. unless you change it, unless you come to X area, 
Now, and, here's the and say that we're wrong. Here's the dystopian view of that. They're if they do that, they're going to make it so hard to change it that you would have preferred to take the bus down to the courthouse and register yourself to vote. Yeah, but that bus will have left the station a long time ago. <laughs> just just tell Steve to scoot over while he's on the bus, and you can ride it down there with him. Coming up this morning on the morning meeting, Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies. We look at races and preview a debate in Missouri coming up next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting. Here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacree, Squade, mm-hmm. alongside you. You want to talk about a rare astrological month. This is certainly the case. Producer Josh and I covered this while you were away earlier in the week. September is actually going to be home to a black moon. It's a pretty rare astrological happening. That's when you get two new moons. Blue moon is two full moons in the mm-hmm. same month. Black mm-hmm. moon is two new moons in the same month. Not only two, but apparently... It was almost three because Aaron Baker of Axiom Strategies almost introduced the baby moon in the same month that there were going to be two new Wait a moons. minute, wait a minute. The baby moon? Yeah, apparently this is a thing now. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, you're going to have to help explain this because we're just two smart guys who do a political talk show. We've never heard of a baby moon, Aaron. Well, unlike me, you probably don't have what will be four children. And apparently, like a groom's cake before it, a baby moon is a new way to spend silly money on uh, life's greatest occasion. And my wife and I will be on our first baby moon for our fourth child next week in New England. How, how difficult is it going to be to explain to the other three that you didn't love them as much as the fourth <laughs> one? They know times are tough back then. <laughs> <laughs> there, weren't, there wasn't silly money back then. <laughs> Eric Baker, Axiom right. Strategies. We had to give him a little trouble after that uh, email exchange this week. Uh, so glad we could have you here before you take off. We'll be with Scott Fawn next week uh, here on the morning meeting. So many things to get to this morning. Uh, we've got some polling numbers to talk about, but this week... Debates have been the hot topic with the presidential debate on Monday night. And now there's going to be a Missourians, uh, a blunt candor debate coming up tomorrow night. Uh, do you expect this to move the needle at all as a as a political observer professionally? What are you looking at from this debate? Does this have you intrigued or is this something that you're just kind of shrugging your shoulders at? Uh, shrugging a little bit, but all blunt needs to do is be a conservative, uh, which should be natural for a Republican to do. Candor is the one that has to uh, appease both liberals and moderates in the state to gain some traction. Here we're looking at a state where Trump is up 10, uh, where Republicans should do well, typically do well. Um, so Blunt just needs to be a Republican. Candor's the one that's going to have to uh, explain his F rating from the NRA uh, and explain other liberal stances that he's taken as a legislator. Uh, so it should be a good debate, and, and people may learn from it. And, and really, the goal for each campaign is to come away with a soundbite they can use. And I think Roy Blunt has more potential to get one of those from a debate uh, against Jason Kander than, than the Democrat does. 
Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, with me this morning on the morning meeting. Aaron, am I just looking at this in the wrong context, or is the $8 million that's been pumped into this race uh, of political money from outside Missouri, is that strikes me as a lot. Am I just not looking at that in the right perspective, or, or is that a lot? No, it's, it's not a lot. It's, it's a competitive race. There's fewer places to spend money and less time to spend it fast enough. And so Missouri is now a uh, fairly sexy U.S. Senate race, whereas it was kind of a snoozer before uh, money has left Ohio and Florida. And we've talked about this the entire, uh, you know, last couple of months, that Blunt is going to have to put away candor early so that uh, outside money doesn't come pouring in. It's not going to be a disparity. Both sides will have money to spend on this race. And Roy Blunt's just going to have to close it with conservatives and moderates to, to finish this. Um, it's unfortunate for him that other Republicans have sewed up their election re election fairly easily, and uh, we're heading into the final stretch now with this race closer than probably he had hoped. It looks like that's going to be covered on C-SPAN if Missourians want to take that in. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Aaron, uh, the Greitens team is uh, touting. Why well, I say they're, they're they're touting, but the Kansas City Star had a, a story about uh, a particular poll that the Greitens team is saying puts them within the margin of error uh, with Chris Coster. A little bit deeper read into that, though, uh, kind of, I, I won't say puts it into question, but puts the poll itself into question. I think it's a Terrence Group poll. Are you familiar with the poll that I'm talking about? No. Uh, <laughs> I'm familiar with the poll, but not the pollster. Uh, you know, I, I understand that Greitens' team needs to boost morale even at the campaign headquarters. Uh, we, as conservatives, need a Greitens win so that our legislature that's heavily Republican uh, has, has support uh, in, in moving their agenda forward. Uh, but, but that poll is... It, that's tough to legitimize a poll where everything else shows 10 points plus uh, margin. Mm -hmm. However, in a state where Trump, again, if Trump gets over 10% margin uh, victory, uh, that's going to really help Greitens. And this thing, because Republicans are committed to spending money here, I believe will get closer. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, Aaron, it seems that Missourians are at least making up their minds whether or not they're going to, or who they're going to vote for, I should say, when it comes to the presidential polling, uh, a recent research indicated that less than 5% of Missouri voters say they're undecided. Is there is there a reason that Missouri seems to have sort of made up its mind? It's been leading red, as you just mentioned, as far as the state for the presidential. Uh, but is there a reason that maybe Missourians are making up their minds quicker ahead of the national average? Uh, we have fairly late primaries in the state. I think a lot of people looked at all the candidates in the primary and made pretty pretty strong decisions there. It's a very partisan state, very ideologically divided state, uh, very geographically divided on how you vote uh, either party. Um, it, it's interesting for the amount of money. Think about all the money that's going to be spent on those 5% of folks uh, in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. It makes the slippage on that pretty pretty significant the amount of cash you've got to burn through to get that done. Aaron Baker with us this morning. Aaron, you talk about money uh, coming into the state. Amendment 2 is going to be uh, on the ballot, and a guy by the name of Fred Sauer is uh, kind of the, the money behind Amendment 2. But Amendment 2 is to, uh, the idea is to cap money that people can put into uh, campaigns uh, individually. 
Uh, is uh, do you, has anybody seen any polling on Amendment Two? Uh, how is it being received by the voters in Missouri? Voters will likely pass Amendment Two uh, without thinking about the details of the consequences it does to transparency, et cetera. That voters tend to like uh, campaign contribution limits. Uh, Amendment Two will likely pass. It does prohibit donations from uh, certain bank organizations, the Farm Bureau insurers, uh, electric co-ops, some pretty popular groups in Missouri are challenging this in court because for some reason the way it's worded uh, keeps them from being able to donate into the political process. So while it may win at the ballot box, it may lose um, lose in courts, but um, Amendment 2 and, and campaign contribution limits when put in front of uh, voters uh, will do quite well. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Aaron, have you noticed a difference in your line of work when it comes to the makeup of the greater St. Louis area voter versus the voter in the rest of the state? Quaid had an interesting article. Go ahead and detail some more of this, Quaid, before we get Aaron's feedback. Livability.com rated St. Louis the, the most livable city for liberals uh, in the country. And a stat that they, they touted was that uh, St. Louis County voted Democrat in 2012 at 82.7%. Does that, they don't cite where they got the, the, those numbers from, but that's a huge uh, number and uh, something I think uh, conservatives might blanch at uh, when it's thrown out there. Well, let's, unlike most metropolitan areas, let's be clear that St. Louis City is its own voting jurisdiction and St. Louis County is mm-hmm. its own voting jurisdiction. I believe those statistics are correct, uh, 80% for Democrats plus in St. Louis, St. Louis City. It's much closer when you get into the county. The, okay. two, the two voting blocks are never combined. Uh, Republicans really can't win in St. Louis County, but they can get close, like Roy Blunt did when uh, he ran against Robin Carnahan for the seat originally. Uh, but, yeah, those are, that's, that's what rural voters are up against, of 80% plus uh, percentage coming out of St. Louis City. It takes a while to catch up with those. And, if, and this year, if minorities are not as excited about Hillary Clinton as they were for Barack Obama, you may see turnout not as high as it has been in, the, in presidential years in that jurisdiction. But that is, that is what rural voters are up against. I know they draw the map differently on the west side of the state uh, around Kansas City, uh, so we don't have to do exactly the same sort of city-county breakdown. But when it comes to the urban area, does the urban population in Kansas City vote in a similar matter, or do you see a different demographic on the west side of the state? No, that's right. But you also have to re- – it is correct that they're that Democrat on the Kansas City side. But you have to remember in the Kansas City metro area and the St. Louis metro area in particular uh, – that's where a majority of Republican votes come from as well. Even though we may get 40% of St. Louis County and be happy about it, uh, that's probably, as far as total votes for Republicans, that's probably the most, that's going to be the most uh, votes coming out of one region. And so Republicans don't ignore St. Louis County by any means or Jackson County um, and on the Kansas City side. And it's something that uh, while we're running up margins in the rural areas, we can't ignore uh, those suburbs and likewise democrats can't ignore rural missouri and and win as well claire mccaskill in particular also coster very good at uh appealing to rural voters so what does that uh, politically what does it look like Uh, what what does uh, the party 
look at as success in St. Louis City or, or St. Louis County? Is it is it over twenty percent? Do they do they shoot for twenty five percent? You say if if we get twenty five percent of of St. Louis City, then it, there should be an easy roll through the rest of the state. That's probably right. And forty percent in St. Louis County is a, a decent goal. Uh, Eric Schmidt is the state senator from. St. Louis County, and will probably overperform there because he uh, appeals to more moderate voters on some of his stances, and also is, represents that area. Uh, but Republicans, forty percent, you can survive a forty percent in St. Louis County. Uh, kidding, kidding. Twenty-five uh, percent of St. Louis City would probably make a make a Republican campaign happy. I know we were rough on you to start the segment, but in all seriousness, congratulations on the new baby. Yes. Have fun while you're away, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Coming up, the feds have that new spending bill in place. What did they take some of your money to research? We'll figure it out next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. the morning meeting on talk radio 930 wtad sean secrets quaid alongside you uh two cardinal fans lamenting the end of the season uh for the cardinals not the fact that it's going to end but the fact it may live on post sort of zombie apocalypse style into the postseason where you're actually part of the walking dead you have no chance to win a world series but somebody thanks to major league baseball's expanded rule has to go in to that wild card game and a team that's six games over 500 is still alive i bring all these i bring all these up because you know what this Cardinal team makes me want to do this year? Drink. <laughs> under, the new, uh, under the new spending agreement that the feds got to, the feds are interested in the drinking habits and eating habits of college kids. The feds Why? have decided to write a $50,000 check. That's, that's nothing for them. But they've written a $50,000 check to the National Institute of Health to study whether or not college students prefer junk food when they drink. Well, they're not eating healthy when You're, they drink. I'm, I mean, is, it, is this really rocket science? Is this really, <laughs> you really need to know? I mean, I, I prefer things that are within arm's reach, technically, when I'm, when I'm drinking. But uh, this, is, this is more of your tax dollars at work. How many people worked a full year, tried to support their family, saw their tax bill absolutely eat into that, and then turn around and find out that a $50,000 grant has been given to study whether or not college students prefer junk food when they're drunk. Yes, college students prefer junk food when they're drunk, just like government prefers to spend tax dollars on crap! Uh, that's your real junk science right there. That's going to do it for us this morning. And who on was the drinking when they made this decision? Cardinal fans. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Just... Please, Giants, end the misery. Win a game. Put the Cardinals out of this thing. We won't have to talk about it. Speaking of, of podcasts, if you missed the mayor crowing about the Dodgers, you can get the Monday podcast. Oh. Uh, mayor Moore took three minutes of legitimate showtime to crow about the Dodgers. I may have twisted his arm. That's going to do it for us today. More morning meeting coming up tomorrow, including Craig Robinson. He'll be our trampoline between the two big debates tomorrow on the morning meeting. Morning meeting adjourned.
Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.